This morning we have a special treat. Uh, in the years that I've been uh, involved in ministry here in Homer, Alaska, um, I've been involved different times, um, for different periods of time with different people. I'm not sure that there's anyone that I've been kind of like parallel in ministry with in Homer longer uh, than our guest this morning. And that's Eric Roseboom, the president of Alaska Bible Institute. So would you guys welcome him up as he comes? So we established this first service. You've been involved in some capacity at ABI for 18 years. 18 years. You've been the president of ABI for 10 years. Mm -hmm. You have classes starting in? Not this coming week, the following week. Two weeks. Um, you guys have heard me say this many times, but my family line, starting with uh, my parents, profoundly impacted uh, by the ministry of Alaska Bible Institute. Um, I was deeply impacted through my time there, and I'm just so thankful for the investment that the school has made over the years in our community and the people of our community. So we talked uh, some time ago, I asked Eric if he would come, kind of coinciding with the start of school, talk a little bit about the ministry, but also uh, just to talk about the value of growing in the knowledge of God. So uh, looking forward to hearing from you. Let me pray and then we'll jump in. God, I do thank you for Eric and for the ministry of Alaska Bible Institute. Uh, we pray uh, your blessing upon that ministry as they get ready, uh, geared up to start another year. Um, we also pray for our time now, uh, Lord, that we would uh, hear from you. Give us hearts that are open uh, to receive. Uh, give us a mind to understand as your spirit speaks through Eric and through your word this morning. Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> thank you uh, for having me here, and thank you, I want to say thank you to you all for your role in Alaska Bible Institute. So Church on the Rock is a big part of what happens up at ABI, uh, and your, your partnership, your participation in various ways, so thank you for being a part of what God's doing there and, and how we are training and equipping Christians for life and ministry. Uh, I do want to invite you this year, if you want to be involved, we are looking for uh, some help in a couple of areas. Uh, one is if you like to hold babies, we have a young family that came to be students and we do have a nursery, but we're looking for volunteers that might want to come up in the mornings. Our classes go from eight to noon. Uh, and so if you're interested in doing that, uh, Laura Ronegard is coordinating the nursery, so you can contact her or contact me if you're uh, available and interested in serving in that way. We're also looking for uh, administrative help. So if you like doing that kind of stuff in the office, let me know. I'd love to talk to you about that. So uh, over there, I got some brochures. There's a place you can sign up for our newsletters. Uh, AVM sends out newsletters uh, from time to time. And I've got a class schedule. So if you're interested in possibly taking a class this year, those are over there on the table. And you should take one home with you and pray about it. So uh, this morning, I want to tell you about some of the things that God has been teaching me about knowing him. Uh, the, 18 years ago, I came to ABI, uh, and I knew a lot about God. Uh, I'd already been to Bible college. I'd already been to ministry school, and so I, I was pretty knowledgeable, uh, I thought. Uh, so I, I was sitting in the classroom, and, and one of the teachers said, uh, he asked the question, would you trade everything you know about God for everything you don't know about God? 
and I, uh, I had to kind of think through and wrestle with this because I, I kind of figured I knew a lot about God and the gospel, and, and I was like, ah, you know, I want to give that up, which is kind of absurd. Uh, I was teaching at a youth conference in Anchorage, and I was asking the, the young people, you know, what percentage of, of the knowledge of God would you think that you possess? And uh, one of the pastor's kids was like, 100%. I grew up in the church, I know. Um, but, you know, it was like 50%, 20%, and then some of the kids were like 1%. And, um, but it's, it's actually not really a fair question. Like, we, we all recognize that God is beyond, that God is holy, God is infinite, and then we, we try to put a percentage on infinite, and the, the question is absurd. It doesn't actually make sense. Uh, the, the answer would be about zero, uh, right? The, the finite brain possessing something infinite. This morning, I want to talk about what it is to know God and how we come to know God uh, and how we grow in that knowledge of God. And uh, as we do that, we're, we're going to look briefly at just what it means to know something and, and then how that ties together with our growth in the knowledge of God. So let's look at Second Peter. Uh, we'll read the introduction. This is actually one of the key themes that Peter was writing about in his second epistle. It says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire." Through the knowledge of God, he has granted to, the, to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Right, this, is, this is extraordinary. The, the knowledge of God is through that all things that pertain to life and godliness. Uh, one of the issues that we run into in, in beginning to understand what Peter was writing about is, is actually a limitation of our, our Western worldview or our thinking about knowledge. Because within our thinking, we tend to think immediately about information. And, uh, and sometimes we forget this, that our worldview, the way that we've experienced and seen everything is actually just pretty limited. There, there's a whole lot more out there. Uh, and, and much of the world thinks about knowledge in a different way. Uh, in fact, the biblical authors wrote and thought about knowledge in a different way. Uh, they, they were thinking more relational. Uh, and some of this is a limitation of our, our language. Like we, we think through the words we use and the words we use for knowledge, we just tend to focus the word knowledge on information. But information is the surface level of what it means to know and there's a relational aspect of what it means to know. So for example, uh, I know that the wall over there is white. I looked earlier and that's how I came to know that Right? And so we tend to think when I say I know something that, that that information is what it means to know. But the information is the surface level of me, me coming to know that actually was an interaction with that wall. I looked at it, and through that interaction of me inquisitively looking, 
I came to understand that that wall is white. Now I know that information. It's pretty basic, right? Yeah? Okay. We've all done this. Like, you do this every day. Like, we, we, we come to know things. Uh, in Scripture, the first time we come across this is actually in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. So it says that Adam uh, knew Eve, and the result of him knowing Eve was a baby. Right? That, that knowing involved an intimate type of relationship that produced a child. So when we, when we think about knowledge, I, I want you to think beyond information, that there's a deeper level of what it means to come to know something that has to do with an interaction. Uh, and, and like I said earlier, much of the world and actually much of modern philosophy is, is looking at knowledge more through this interaction, this relational lens. Uh, and as we talk about the knowledge of God, if we don't see this, you're going to miss the point. You're going to approach Second Peter as if it's all about gaining more information, uh, which was not what Peter was calling us to. So, first of all, knowledge is relational. Now, something we need to understand about growing in knowledge or coming to know something or anything is that that process involves humility. In order to come to know something new, there's, a, there's a, an element of humility that needs to be involved in the process. So, uh, I walk past many walls throughout my day of all different colors. I only come to know what color the wall is when I actually recognize I don't know the color of the wall and I look to see what the color was. So I didn't know that wall was white until this morning when I was preaching, I decided to pick that wall and then I looked and saw it was white. So that's how we come to know information, through interaction. But what we need to recognize is that there's an element of humility involved in coming to know something new. Uh, Paul was, well, I'll get to Paul in a minute. Um, when we interact with the world around us, so th this is actually something we tend to miss. Uh, if, if you were to pick a blade of grass outside by the sidewalk, uh, I'm not, uh, I, I don't know a lot about grass. Like, I don't know what types of grass or brands of grass or whatever, whoever planted that out there. I don't know why it's growing there. I'm not sure what, where the nutrients all come from and how all that works and why the grass is green and why it's that certain shape and what causes it to take that shape and what causes it to come back next year after it's covered with snow. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's just a lot about grass that I don't know. Um, but that's a single blade of grass, and as we walk past that piece of grass, there's, there's actually many blades of grass on the sidewalk. And so this morning, as I left my house and walked to get to the truck, there were many, many blades of grass, and not just grass, but plants and trees and leaves and bugs and birds and creatures, right? I, I walked past many things. I just don't understand how they work, why they function, how their bodies, you, you know what I'm saying? There, there's just so much that I, throughout my day, as I'm walking through this world, I'm interacting with things that I'm completely unaware of, and I just don't understand. I don't know. The difficulty is I don't know what I don't know. Right? So that's a challenge. So I'm, I'm unaware of what I don't know, and so I just walk through life blind to that. Uh, it's not just that, but as we expand our view, we begin to see beyond the sidewalk, beyond the grass, and the, you, know, you expand to Homer 
and all of the people and all of the lives and all of the experiences that I don't know and the knowledge that's been gained, right? There's a university over here, right? The local college. There's so much information and knowledge that's beyond me. I like to think I know it all, right? The 23-year-old Eric knew it all. Well, we expand beyond that, and you include the ocean and the creatures and the, you know, the North American continent, and that, right, you expand to the globe and all of the billions of people, and I can't even comprehend that number. Right? I don't know what that means, but there are billions of other lives just like mine that are interacting with other people. You, you get what I'm saying? There's just so much beyond me, and I have no concept of what it even means to know all of that. Expand to our solar system, and then our galaxy, and, and this is actually, the, that's a famous picture, the pale blue dot, the, that's Earth right there. Like everything that we're talking about from farther out in the solar system, right? You, you just keep going beyond the galaxy and the universe. And then we understand that the God who I presume I grasp and I could debate the truth about God as a 23-year-old spoke, and all of this just came into existence, right? And I imagine that I know. Like, I, I got God figured out. I can defend my theology. True knowledge requires humility. If I assume that I know and I'm unaware of what I don't know, then I'm living a delusion. I, I actually am blind. Like, I'm walking through life. It's called pride, and pride is a foolish perspective. It's blind to reality. Uh, Paul wrote about this in his letter to the Corinthians. So in 1 Corinthians, he was addressing this issue of pride. The, the 1 Corinthians, they, they were all arguing about who knew what. And uh, I imagine them like me when I came to ABI at 23, and I knew it all, right? I was ready to have those debates. And that's what they were doing. I'm a Paul, I'm Apollos, I'm of Cephas, and they were debating all these issues. So he gets to chapter 8, and he says, well, let's, um, let's address one of these issues, this meat offered to idols that you're arguing about. He says, now concerning the food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. You'll notice he, he takes the issue of knowledge and connects it to a relationship. But before we get to that, Paul's addressing this delusion that we live with, this pride. He says, if you imagine, if you think that you know, then you don't know. Because to know means that you recognize you don't know. Which I hope I'm not confusing you. It's, it's, I put a lot of thought into this to be able to say it. Um, right? To, to come to know, to be in a place of knowledge, of, of understanding, requires a humility and awareness of that I do not know. Otherwise, I'm delusional. Otherwise, I'm not actually seeing. And so Paul was confronting this in the Corinthians. He says, look, sure, you have knowledge. <laughs> but if you think you know, then you don't know. Uh, the, the Greek philosophers, Plato, actually said, I've, I've learned that I know nothing. Because when you come to know, truly know, it involves an awareness of what I don't know. So, uh, for example, uh, um, if you were an astronomer and you get a really big telescope and you look up into the stars and you focus in on Mars and you see some red rocks, a foolish astronomer would walk away and be like, all right, I'm the expert, I know, red rocks. No, a, a wise astronomer 
would see that and walk away with a million more questions. Right? You come in with one, you gain new knowledge, and that knowledge exposes you to what you do not know, and you walk away with many more. It's the same with a microscope or any other type of learning. As you, your eyes are open to new knowledge, it ought to produce in you a new level of awareness and humility, recognizing of, that there's more out there you don't know. What's scary is that we do this in our relationship with God. Right? 23-year-old Eric, I had all the answers. I really did. I thought I did. Like, I sat through my classes at ABI thinking, oh, I know the answer to that. Yeah, I could teach this class. <sighs> that God that I imagined is not the God that we worship. Right? The, the infinite creator of the universe that spoke all of this into existence, if I can define him in this narrow little box that my tiny little finite brain can contain, then I'm not talking about the creator of the universe. Which is scary because our human flesh constantly pulls us to respond to new knowledge with pride. Like throughout our lives, at least throughout my life, I'm constantly finding myself in this struggle because I learn something new and then I'm like, oh, I know now. When learning something new ought to produce in me a greater awareness that there's more to learn. And when we apply this to our walk with God, learning to know God, new, when I interact with God, I should walk away with a greater sense of awe, a greater sense of mystery, a greater, a greater sense of worship. And if I'm thinking anything less than that, a sense of, of just complete wonder at the creator of the universe, then I'm not seeing truly. I'm not seeing reality. I'm living in a delusion, and I'm making up a God that's something of my imagination that I can contain. So whether you're a scientist or a theologian, if you think you know, Paul says you don't actually know as you ought to know. So this is a, this is a warning, and I hope you, this can stick with you, because we find ourselves as humans, we find this struggle between pride and humility and this temptation to always think I know, I've got it figured out, I, I've, I've landed now. And when we find ourselves in that spot, be aware. That's not a good place to be. That's actually a place of blindness. When, when we're there, we're actually lost. We're not actually seeing God. So, true knowledge requires humility, but true knowledge also produces humility. It also results in humility in our perspective. Uh, one clarifying point. As Paul was writing to the Corinthians, he summarized this because someone might, might go down this train of thought and, and end up in this place of like, well, we just can't know anything, and how could you claim to know anything? Well, actually... God has revealed himself to us. And in Second Peter, he's talking about this knowledge of God that he invites us into through relationship. So in, in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, he says, now you see like through a glass dimly because of our, the, the limitation of our human brains, our, our minds, right? Like You understand, we, we don't see that much. I see what's right in front of me because that's the way my eyes are pointed 
I don't know what's on the other side of that wall because I just haven't. You understand this limitation? And as I become aware of that, that I don't see, that I don't know, I also remember that I forget all the time. Like, I, I went to a conference last week, met hundreds of people, and I remember maybe one or two names. Why? Because our brains just let information pass through. We can't, they, they aren't big enough to contain it all. So even all the things that I maybe once knew, I'd forgotten. And so Paul says, now you see like through a glass dimly. It's like a, like a foggy mirror. You, you just, now you know in part. And that statement, it, it does reveal you do know. So it's not that we can't know. But you do know in part. And that's what true knowledge looks like. It's an awareness that I only know in part, that I, that I only see part of the picture, that there's so much happening around me that I can't, because I'm so limited. So true knowledge is an awareness, as Paul worded it, that I just know in part. Throughout Scripture, this idea of humility is, is consistently... Uh, portrayed as being the, the, the wisdom perspective. So if you go through Proverbs and you see that the wise man is described as being humble and that the foolish man is described as being proud, what you will not see is a wise, proud person. You will not see a humble fool. In Proverbs and throughout Scripture, the, the two don't go together. They can't because by definition, wisdom is humble. A wise perspective sees reality as it really is, which means it's humble. A wise perspective recognizes my own limitation, my own lack. It recognizes what I do not know. And by definition, that is a wise perspective as opposed to a proud perspective, which is foolish and presumes that I know it all, and looks at God as if I've got him figured out. It's a delusion. Uh, I want to look at the story of Job because this is something I've wrestled with for years. Uh, Job and his friends, they, they spend this entire book debating and, and most of us, I've taught Job for a few years, most of us just read the first couple chapters because that's the exciting part of the story, right? That's when everything, all the drama happens. And then for most of the book, it's Job and these three friends arguing. But what they're really doing there is the kind of thing that I actually enjoyed doing as a 23-year-old, debating theology. Right? They were arguing their perspectives. And Job's, Job's saying this thing, and his friends are saying this thing, and they're seeing God. But what you'll find if you study what they were saying is that they were actually mostly right. Job and his friends, they had a pretty decent understanding of God and how he works. In fact, almost everything you find throughout their conversations on both sides of the debate can be supported in Scripture. And yet they were all entirely wrong. Job and his three friends, at the end of the book, are at a place of repentance because they'd spoken wrongly about God. Which is confusing when what they were saying was almost all unbiblical and right and accurate information-wise, and yet they were completely off base. 
Now, what confuses me even more is that at the end of this book, we're discussing theology, and we're looking at how God works. Like, why do bad things happen to people? Which is a big question, and and I wanted the answer. Like, you get to the end of the book, and finally God's going to speak, so we're going to get the answer. And what does God do? He starts talking about creatures walking on mountainsides and plants and the stars, and he says, Job, do you understand why the stars hang in the sky the way they do? Job, can you go to the beach and stop the tide from moving in? Job, do you understand how this, this mountain goat produces a child? God wasn't concerned with Job gaining more information to gain a new level of understanding because, again, we remember how finite our level of understanding is. For Job to see properly, what needed to happen was not that he gained slightly more information about how it works. For him to see properly was he needed to see that he didn't know. And that's the only accurate perspective. It's the only right perspective. It's the only true way of seeing reality is a recognition, a humble awareness that I do not know. And so what did God do? He pointed all of the things that Job didn't know and understand. And it's always confused me because... Job suddenly is good with everything. Like, you understand what happened to Job. It's pretty extraordinary. And what he's been wrestling with throughout this book, these really difficult questions, and God resolves all of the questions by causing him to be aware of what he didn't know. Because it's only in the context of that awareness that I don't know that I begin to truly know. And so Job, this is at the end of that story in Job 42, says, Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Hear and I will speak. I will question you and you make it known to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. That's a true perspective. Job finds himself in a place of humility and repentance, aware of what he did not know, and in the context of that awareness, all of the questions are resolved. Because through that place of humility and repentance, he's reconciled into relationship with God, which is true knowledge. And he's at a place of knowing God and growing in his knowledge of God. For us throughout our lives, I, I, I think it's, it's something we have to have our eyes open to, that, that we as humans, our very nature, our flesh is tempted to, to be proud, to, to think that I know. And that's, that's always the inclination And choosing the path of humility that no matter where you are in life, no matter how many Bible colleges you've attended, that that God is far beyond and there's so much more that I do not know. And then that awareness, I find the starting place, the beginning of the knowledge of God. In that place of humility, in that place of fear and, and awe of our Creator. This is my prayer for you this week. That your perspective of God will be full of humility, 
would be full of awe, would be full of, of reverence, and that would lead to worship. In Paul's letter to the Corinthians, I wanted to highlight this. He says, if anyone imagines that he knows it something he does not know yet as he ought to know, but if anyone loves God, he is known by God. This is what Peter was calling us to, to know God, because we do know God, and God knows us, and we ought to be pursuing that. Not, not this information that I can use in, to win a debate over meat offered to idols or whatever it might be that day, but pursuing the knowledge of God, pursuing a walk with God, a relationship with God, and being loved by him. I want to close with, actually, Peter's closing line in his final letter. He said, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Why don't you stand with us? to the extent that we've moved away from that place of uh, reverent awe and worship. Just ask that you would bring us back. That you would draw our hearts to you. To know you, to walk with you, to be known by you. Pray even now as we take a few minutes to worship you together. God, reveal your heart to us.